Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Tuesday, November the 3rd, 2015. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue. Puts a little hand up, and we know you want to talk. We'd love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. We're delighted and honored that you're here. We are uh, still at Heartland. It's a little cool today. It's probably about 60 degrees or so, cloudy, and uh, our weather has just been awesome. I, I don't know if you've looked at Facebook, but we posted a couple of pictures of uh, of some absolutely awesome flowers in 75 sunny degrees yesterday, so been been fabulous, and I'm out on the property right now, just uh, had a meeting and doing a couple of projects, so I wonder uh, if perhaps if Dr. Tim's there, if you guys might kind of get things going while I'm handling the last couple of things here, and I'll be heading over to the house to uh, to carry on the show. Dr. Tim, are you with us? I am here. Handle it for a few minutes, and I'll be there. All right. Jeannie, do you want to awesome. do the intro, or do you want me to? Go for it. Go ahead, Dr. Tim. All right. Well, welcome to MindShifters Radio and in support of teaching and assisting people in mastering the ancient Aramaic art of forgiveness, which has an entirely different meaning than our 20th and 19th and 21st century meaning for the word forgiveness here in the West. The ancient Aramaic meaning for the word forgiveness is to cancel, to dismantle anything that doesn't belong within my system. And it's based in a system that understands that I can't feel anything that isn't already in my system. I only feel what I have in my system that gets resonated or I feel what I generate in response to the thoughts I choose with my mind energy. And mind energy is something I'm given the ability to to choose moment to moment, but it's also something that I've inherited genetically and energetically from both sides of my bloodline. 
So the ancient Aramaic tool of forgiveness was based on the recognition that we come from this energy of love, we're made of this energy of love, we are love, the energy itself, and anything else is false. And so if we're feeling something less than love, it's a literal, actual alarm system. And if we know what to do, if we know how the system works and we know what to do in response to the alarm, it can be one of our best allies. My negative emotions can be my best ally because they are like the compass on a boat. They are like the Geiger counter for the person working around radioactive material. They are like the dowsing rod for the person who's looking for water underground. My negative emotions, far from being bad or wrong, they are my active alarm system. And if I know how to interpret and choose to apply appropriate tools in response to the alarm, it's a fabulous system. However, if I'm raised in a society, as most of us here in the Western culture are, that teaches me that my negative emotions, my anger and my fear and my grief are natural and I have a right to hold on to them, and I can use my anger as a weapon, and I can use my grief as a a shield to push other people away, then things just get more and more mucky. That's a technical term from the psychological field, mucky. And um, the tool of forgiveness, the ancient Aramaic tool of forgiveness, and the system it comes from it, helps explain to me the actual purpose of my negative emotions. And what we're taught in this culture is if I get angry, that's an indication that I'm right, you're wrong. But in the ancient Aramaic, they understood that if I have anger come up in me, that's my alarm system going off to get me to focus on, Tim, your thoughts are in the wrong place. Tim, you have energy in you that doesn't belong there. Focus inwardly, remove what doesn't belong there, Restore your conscious awareness to your true nature as love and then decide what to do. And when I do that, my interactions in the world are far more productive. They keep me safer. I end up being more creative, more alive, more productive. My relationships with others are better. And when I use the conditioning I was raised with and anger comes up in me, and I use that as an indication that I'm right and you're wrong, then I lock myself in a situation where my anger, which is painful to me, I hold on to and pour energy into, and then I use it as a weapon against you, so I lock myself in my pain, in my situation, and I damage my relationship with others. So we're here to promote a system that says, It's not supposed to work that way. That in truth, as Einstein said, we're all connected. And when there's a pain in me, it's an indication there's a problem in me. And if I focus that way, then I'm able to look out at others and say, I'm in pain. I want to heal my pain. Would you support me? 
and then I create an atmosphere and a pattern in relationship for healing rather than abuse, for healing rather than attack, for healing rather than blame. And the main tool for this is the, as Michael and Jeannie are making it available, is on the website at www.whyagain.org. And if you click on the link that has the red and white bullseye or on the, the link on the top left that says start here, it'll take you to a page where you can download absolutely for free. You don't have to get put on a mailing list. You don't have to send in money, although if you do yeah, and you want to send in money to support, that's welcome. But you can download a worksheet that will step you through the process of removing whatever doesn't belong in you and improving your life improving your emotions, improving your physical health, improving your relationships. It'll also let you download Chapter 24 of Michael's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, where he writes out the introduction to and the foundation of this worksheet process. And then there's a link where you can download, I think he said, 16 different hours of audio shows like this one audio files of shows like this one where Michael or Jeannie or someone has stepped someone through the worksheet process. Real people with real problems and each one of those shows highlights different aspects of problems, trouble spots, ways to solve them, ego getting in the way, the power of the worksheet process. So if you listen to all 16 of those shows, You've taken an advanced class in the ancient, Arama ancient Aramaic art of forgiveness. The other thing that's available is a fabulous PowerPoint presentation, a little video with an audio um, announcement, overdub, whatever it's called, where Bill Costantino takes what Michael says is 35 years of his work and condenses it in, in, into 25 minutes, the core of his work, a little over 24 minutes on that video. And it explains what is the most powerful and yet counterintuitive part of the ancient Aramaic art of forgiveness, and that is the need to cancel a goal any time I have a negative emotion up. And it's a powerful tool a po the, what's the powerful tool is ancient Aramaic art of forgiveness and canceling goals. And the powerful supplement to that is this 24-and-a-half-minute video by Bill Costantino that explains why I would do something so counterintuitive as to cancel what I want. So that's what we're here to support and promote. Jeannie, comments, questions, answers? I was just going to say, in addition to the 16 MP3s of the radio shows, there are also at the top of that page, so when you click on the bullseye and then you click on the link to go to the MP3 instructions um, from the, on the worksheet from the radio show, there are three MP3s that Dr. Tim has created for us that are combinations of Terry and Michael's calls and a couple, uh, three of Terry's calls put together and then two of Michael C.'s calls put together. So those are really powerful. Thank you for doing that, Dr. Tim. So those are also on that same page with the MP3s for the wake-up sheets. 
Well, you're welcome and deserving, and those are, as you mentioned, some of the more powerful testimonials, although in the archives now I believe we're pushing toward the end of our fifth year here. So there's over four years' worth of these five-days-a-week radio shows that are you know, sprinkled throughout. There are all kinds of wonderful testimonials for, from people, but... I'm glad you point that out. I'll have to look at that and now that you have them uploaded. Yeah, we went to um had to wait until I went to Springfield because I'm actually our self our internet signal here is so limited that I'm actually using my cell phone as my internet while the way that works, but uh, anyway, uh, I was ha- I had to wait until we got to Springfield because I tried like three or four times to I could download it fine, but then I couldn't upload it to the website, and so I had to wait until I got real high speed. And actually, the last one, I ended up uh, connecting it through another program, but it is on there, so I had to go around the elbow to get there. But <laughs> So if somebody would press 1, you're first in line. Nobody has a hand up and nobody has a question in the chat room. So I'll start it out and just say that I've the last couple of days have been in process myself and have really, um, yesterday especially, was a challenge for me. It's, you know, Michael refers to 77 times 70 worksheets. Well, packing up and moving from place to place is my 99 times 90 worksheets. (laughs) And so we have been in the process of, of getting things together. We've had We've got a small trailer that we had to get uh, repaired and fixed so we could put stuff because we're actually just going to take a small van. We're not taking the huge vehicle this time since we're going to basically sit still for six months. And um, so we had to get all of that worked out and uh, attempting to pack up all the kitchen stuff and plus our clothes and everything and anything that we might need in a six-month period of time and compact it so that it'll fit in just a small van and a small utility trailer that we're going to pull. And it's just, it's a challenge for me. And so I did some worksheets around it yesterday and did some writing. And I'm still not at the bottom of it because, I mean, this is a continual thing. So I know there's something deeper than just packing. But I'm not real sure if it comes from... You know, when I was a child, my mom and I had conflicts, and my dad always went to the farm, and he never took me with him. And so I don't know if it's related to that. I haven't uncovered it as related to that. Uh, Michael suggested, you know, perhaps that packing up and and leaving from one place to another, you know, that that was what was triggered, that, you know, Daddy would go to the farm and leave me there. and uh, But... That part hasn't uncovered, so, you know, maybe it's there, but uh, I'm not real sure what it is. So I don't know if you have any suggestions on that. Um, I think it's uh, the need, part of it is the need to be more organized and not just throw things in the vehicle to go. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. Well, then... <clears throat> The the one thing I would say to you after you said that last sentence or two is it is not a need to be organized. 
It may be that you're holding a goal to be organized. It certainly is or could be a belief that you need to be more organized. And so I, I think I've heard you talk before about how disorganization or what you perceive as a chaotic state resonates upset with you in the past. Right. Yeah, it's uh Michael actually you know, we've kinda half jokingly but half serious have referred to myself as being O C D and we've changed that from instead of being um obsessive compulsive disorder that it's obsessive compulsive blessing. So it's O C B and um but it's still <laughs> it's and I and that comes from, you know, mom's house where it was and is super cluttered. And then here at Heartland, uh, this year it has straightened out more than it has been in the past, but it just seems like there's a lot of stuff. And it just really triggers my, you know, I've got to fix it. I've got to get out there. I've got and where, and I got the biggest insight on that when I was doing a worksheet one time. And if you're not familiar with the worksheets, go to the bullseye and download them and, and, uh, there's little boxes where if you can't put it into words what you're feeling that you can draw a picture. And I drew a picture and it was a stick figure, you know, it was uh represented me and and then there were boxes and then there were piles of paper and more boxes and more boxes and and before you know it in that little block you couldn't see me. The stick figure vanished and I got the biggest aha on that that it was, you know, in the midst of clutter that there's not room for me or there's not space for me or I'm not seen. I'm not important enough to be seen or to have a prominent place. Um, I can't breathe. Uh, so it really, that just drawing that one little picture really brought up a lot, of, a lot more worksheets <laughs> of things that I didn't realize were underneath that. And I know that it's not the external clutter, but it's the internal chaos where all that comes from. And I think that is uh, closely linked to the packing because, you know, like as we're packing, we're also doing things like, you know, well, we need to leave keys with the people that are still going to be here. We need to give this to the support team. So like right now in the room that I'm sitting in, I can see four suitcases, computer bags, uh, backpacks, there are keys everywhere. There's a case that we're packing. I mean, it's just like, just in the attempt to get it packed, what we're going to take, it's like everything gets undone in order to decide, does this go or does this stay? And it's just like, ah. <laughs> so, Jeannie, you said in that string of things when you had, when you were drawing in that little box where it says, you know, draw your feelings, that as you kept filling things in, eventually you couldn't really see the stick figure. And then after that, you said something, one of your phrases was, I'm not important enough. So that resonated, and I thought I heard a change in your voice. So worksheets around being valuable, your value, 
Are you breathing? Yes, I am. I'm writing it down so that it stays in my conscious awareness and not and doesn't get forgotten in the rest of the show. Yeah, it's it's like you know, um, and in fact, a statement that I made, I changed it this past year. But a statement that I caught myself making every time, you know, we would do an intensive and everybody goes around the room and, you know, says why they're, you know, who they are and why they're here and what they want to learn. And I've always said, I am Jeannie and I'm part of the package. And I caught myself that I had been saying that repeatedly and that I actually saw myself as just part of the, you know, it's like, I'm something else that goes in the car or I'm something else that is in an intensive or I'm something else that is, you know, just part of the package and you're, you're right on with the value. Yeah. There's so, you know, in, in, in different ways, keep the breath moving, how that felt like that to you as that child and whether or not it's simply in the interactions with your mom or it, involves your relationship to both parents, but I get a strong sense when these things come up for you that your sense of value as a person has been triggered. Yeah. Um. Breathing. You don't need to talk about this, but just get in touch with what's coming up. And if you need to, make some notes, but keep the breath moving. You know, one of the more painful things for us as humans is if we start to believe that we're just an accoutrement, we're just an accessory, that we're not a primary importance in our lives or someone else's. What came up with that? And I guess it is tied with um, that I wasn't important enough for Daddy to take with him. And that I'm not important enough that uh, my preference of things being neat has never been the top of anybody else's list. So it's like, you know, whether it was at my parents' house or, you know, here at Heartland or whatever, you know, enough give my input that this needs to be done differently and then when it's not it's it's definitely tied to not being heard and that what I ask for is not important enough to give right right and yeah. so there's a whole set of conclusions you have around that that breathe into them and work at uncovering them And when you get to this and you're able to hold that space of the younger version of yourself who was feeling smothered by all the clutter and would make requests for a little order or a little sanity from your perspective and it was ignored, then that younger version of yourself downloaded some conclusions that that this wasn't happening the way you needed it to happen because your mother didn't think you were important enough. 
And if you breathe into that and you hold the space of being the adult today as well as being fully aware of yourself in that younger state, you can help that younger version of yourself understand your mom's clutter had to do with her. It didn't have to do with her not thinking you were valuable. Right. And and when you get to one of those core pieces, there'll be a deeper release. And you can keep bringing that back to your adult awareness of the value of your relationship with your mother today. Right. And then coming from that knowing that your your felt sense of the value of the love and connection with your mother today, then bring that to your awareness of this younger version of yourself who felt completely disregarded and unworthy. And just bounce back and forth between those two knowings and and help cancel the goals for the younger genie from that place of feeling her pain and feeling like she was being lost her feeling that she wasn't valued. Just breathe into that. Got it. Thank you. And it looks like this conversation has triggered people. There's like three hands up. Okay, well, let's make sure that you're in a space that's good for you to transition or move on before we bring yeah, somebody else in. I actually had this. to breathe through that because when I first saw the hands going up, it's like, oh, you know, I need to answer the, the switchboard here, you know, and there again, it's doing it to myself that's not important enough to stay with me. Yeah, the absolute best thing for everybody listening right now is for you to live from the space that you are as valuable and powerful as any being that has ever taken a breath. You are as loving and worthwhile, not only as the people you respect most, but as the most respected people on the planet. Including the man named Yeshua. So, yeah, I've got half a page of notes here, so thank you very much. (laughs) So let's see what um, our callers have to add to that. The first one, I think, is Rex. How are you doing? 517. I'm doing wonderful, Jeannie. Thank you so much for opening that piece and and being willing to be vulnerable and open. I just really appreciate it. I've had some fair amount of energy moving in me as well. And Tim, uh, great job on just listening and being present and holding the space. So I want to acknowledge that. And Jeannie, I, I'm, uh, I'm really excited about and for you this is something that, you know, you and I have talked about a few times and 
it has been a big one for you. And what's one of the words that came to mind, and I know I've had a challenge with this, so it might be just mine, but um, it was control. You know, the control early on in your conversation, and, and Tim pegged it as far as when you were a young child. Um, one of the thoughts I had is just, you know, when you're going into your work and doing it, that you just quiet yourself and breathe and then just imagine the most disarray, the most convoluted space you could possibly be in and just imagine everything is just strewn out of the drawers, thrown all over, and then you have to stay right there in the middle of all of it, you know, and then just see what might come up for you. It's kind of like a mind shifter. And that was the thought I had, and the other piece was, like I mentioned, the control. But also, in addition to that, as you were early on in the conversation and you were moving through it, it was before you really started tapping into the emotional side of it, I was the one that raised my hand right away. And I am so excited that you didn't answer my hand. (laughs) You stayed focused and you stuck with your (laughs) program and your process. That was a challenge. So I I just really appreciate that. I think that, you know, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing is just a beautiful representation of how to open your heart and be willing to look at what's there in front of you. And and quite often in the the communication in the past, it's been, um, well, you know, they did this and they did that. And I know it's my issue, but they still do this and they do that. And I didn't hear any flavor of that in your communication today. And so those were just some of the thoughts that I noticed and the feedback that I'd have for you. And what it suggests to me is a a very beautiful young woman doing a marvelous job of her own work and not just talking about it, but doing it and just very impressive and excited. Well, thank you. (laughs) It's... uh kind of a, a mixed feeling that that's like you know I hear Michael do it all the time when somebody's talking about what's up and he's like oh I'm so excited for you <laughs> it's like yeah right <laughs> but thank you well, I understand and and I and it is it's it's excitement for your moving through it and my observation for me and you know the people that I've been blessed to work with is that if we're willing to move through it being in it is a part of moving through it. And it isn't, we're not indulging it. If you're not indulging the pattern, indulging your aggression or your anger, your sadness or your fear, whatever's there, then the other alternative is to be moving through it. And that's what I hear. And and I also recognize um, tremendous value in you as a human being. And I loved what Tim said at the end, especially there. All of it was great, Tim. But that last piece um, that really resonated a, a lot of sadness in me that opened up and, and forgave that and experienced a, a release was then when when you said, Tim, that you are, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something along the line is imagine you are the most important person or the most valuable person that ever embodied or ever walked the planet. And I'm I'm obviously paraphrasing quite a bit, but it was what I think is really important for us to be able to realize and recognize 
And it is not a, I'm greater than someone else, but each of us are that. Each of us are, for our own experience, as an individualized piece of the whole, of the totality, expressing amazingly, beautifully, only in the way that we're capable of doing it. No one else can do it for us. And so that's how valuable and important we are to the whole. And and I would add one more piece. I I like to share, and I'll share this with you, Jeannie, on a one-on-one to you directly, is that every thought, every feeling, every experience, every perception, every single nuance that runs through your mind or through your body directly affects everything in all of creation. And what you do with it is immensely, it's actually invaluable. There's just no way to put any, any uh, how, how valuable it is on it. Uh, but, but it's just profound, the effect that you have on all of creation every instant. And the beauty is that it, you spend a lot of time, if not most of the time, being conscious and presenting love. And what a gift you are to all of creation, Jeannie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, one of the things for all of our audience, you know, it's you've got Rex and Dr. Tim, Michael and myself and um, the different ones that are on the show here a lot and we're teachers of the work. And one of the things, and maybe I'll use your phrase there, uh, Rex, you know, maybe this is just me, but it's like we're always on. And so for me anyway, um, putting myself out there and, and saying this is what's up for me. Um, it's given self the opportunity to um, be real and not be on. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, it sure does, yes. And I and this is what I was, in my languaging, if I didn't come across clearly, it was that I was acknowledging you for allowing that to be the case. And although you're bringing up the issue, it sounds like, and I would agree that, that it's an issue of worth and value, uh, self-value, but the level of how much more you're valuing yourself is reflected in not picking, raising my hand, not uh, answering my call right away and allowing that other, those other pieces to come forth. That was a statement of value. So along with being willing to look at the parts of you that are that you feel that are not valuable or whatever that material is also interject on a regular basis all the areas that you are valuable and actually child i do that regularly and i encourage my clients and, and people i also in my life to do that is just take a moment and say uh in your case hey little genie how are you and you know how you you are really valuable we're valuable and, and to say it in, in a way that is if you're talking to a little girl or a little boy, and I find it to be very effective, uh, not as a form of denial, but as support. Because, you know, quite frankly, as a young child, I remember experiencing feeling very devalued and unworthy of hardly anything <laughs> and feeling unloved. So it's been a fair amount of that reinforcement to 
you know, consider that. And, and one of the things I also work with is whenever I'm feeling like someone's not appreciating me, I will pause and turn that to myself and say, what, ask myself, what can I appreciate myself for? And what have I done that I, and whatever I thought I wanted to be appreciated for by someone else, I would say, hey, good job, Rex, you did that well, if I did. And so those are just some other ideas that might be helpful to reinforce the truth. And the truth is, you know, we're, in my mind, we're created in the image and likeness of love. And, and that's it. I mean, that's the whole story. And my life, and I think everyone's life, is, is there as a representation of that pure love. And uh, we act in other ways, but just to reinforce it in every way possible. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you for awesome. uh, giving me the thank opportunity you. to share, Jeannie. I know you had other callers, and unless there was any other feedback or input, I'm willing to hear it. And uh, I'll just go back on mute and see if you can catch the other callers. Awesome. Thank you, Rex. I appreciate you. Thank you. So our next caller is area code 417. There's a couple of 417s, so this one is 417-766. You're on the air. Is this Julie? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's me. Um. <laughs> hey, lady. Hey, um, you know, I was working with Scott and, and also with myself, and I was noticing that I had a childhood goal that I didn't know I had. And, uh, you know, the goal, I, I was going to ask a question about it. Well, you know, how do I get a goal? And I wanted to call my cousin because I know that she is, well, I mean, it appears to be quite um, symptomatic pretty seriously. And I could never get through. And I can't get through and they won't give me any information because I'm not, you know, her husband or whatever, you know. And so I was triggered by that and I noticed that I was feeling angry. So... So then I really got a hold of, okay, so let's take a look at this goal. I want to call my cousin, and I'm not getting through, and I'm angry. Well, how does this look like my life? So um, that when I want something, I'm not getting it, and then I choose anger. So I started to do some work around that, and I was wondering if you hold a goal from childhood, maybe you didn't want to share your room with your grandmother. Um, You know, maybe you have a goal that says what I asked for I don't get and you know and then you're going to feel a certain way because you have asked for certain things and you haven't gotten them I've I've actually witnessed some of that myself you know with you and so and if we hold that goal as a young child and then we believe it to be true we believe it to be true because it happens over and over again and you know if you think about your relationship with Ron if that happened there then it would only strengthen that goal um, if you think about your relationship with your son and, you know, him, you know, redirecting him sometimes, did you, what I asked for, I don't get. And if that's actually a goal that's been going on for a while, definitely time to delete it. That is true. And okay. I think it has has been um, in the background somewhat, for sure. So my goal was, well, I don't get what I want. And then I feel angry. Well, I'm never going to get what I want if I'm going around feeling angry because I'm going to just replicate that. So if there's a feeling there that's less than love, then you're going to be replicating that. And I don't, I'm not sure that it necessarily has to do with, you know, anyone else. It's just that, you know, you somehow or other got, a, you know, a connection there with it and 
then you applied it and applied it and applied it and reapplied it. And and then, of course, you know, life is cooperating with you because you're saying what I asked for, I don't get. And then I'm angry. And I was wondering why Michael, when he's talking about Addie, he's always talking about, and he's said at least three times on the on the radio show, well, she doesn't um, like it when she doesn't get what she doesn't want, but she uh, seems to be okay, right? So... So she, he is working with her being able to deal with what I asked for I don't get, but I'm okay, rather than what you and I are doing, or at least I, I'm projecting onto you on this, um, that, you know, when I don't get what I want, I get angry. And I think I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and it still fits, but for me, I think it's more sadness uh-huh. um, okay. than anger, which is still the same. I mean, it's still a, a emotion that's less than love, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And actually, the last time Michael was up in St. Louis, he said, well, Addie's turned four. He said she's changed a little bit. She's showed a side that he had never seen before. And so it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a sad commentary that, that we get to that point where we let go of who we are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree with you. And... You know, one of the things that I noticed about me in the past, and I call it socially acceptable behavior, and my first mentor said to me, oftentimes people, especially girls, are conditioned to go into crying instead of going into rage, whereas the boy child can rage because, you know, that's boy behavior, but girl behavior has to be different. And for a while, my mentor... Yeah, well, I know. Well, when my mentor was working with me, I would... You know, he would say stuff that was true. I mean, I knew it was true about me, but I wouldn't feel the anger. I wouldn't go to anger. My mind went to sadness. I went to crying. And he just pointed out to me, he goes, you know, this is socially acceptable behavior. There are books on this. So you're crying, but you're really angry, and you don't want to get to your anger because you've been conditioned not to. So what what I've done is I've done some worksheets on that so that now, um, because I want to feel what's there, I I you know go into the crying necessarily. I go into the anger. I'll go into the fear, and then you know there might be something on the other side of that, which could be you know an emotional thing where I would cry. But I've you know decided that you know that I don't want to do the emotionally acceptable thing. I I want to deal with what's there. So it's just uh, some feedback that I've learned in my own journey. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. You are welcome. And of course, you know, if what I ask for and I don't get, then we'll find that, and then this could be about control. You know, if I can control them, maybe I'll get what I want. Maybe if I do a certain behavior, maybe I'll get what I want. You know, so there's there's a little tie-in there. Because I know with my worksheets, I, I noticed I want to control, you know, my life. I want to control others. And if I can control them with my anger, then I can get what I want. You know, so it's all kinds of intertwining to little subtle messages. And the thing to notice there, Julie? Yeah. Can you hear me? The thing to yeah, notice there is that's a, that's a power person dynamic. Your power mm-hmm. person used you in order not to feel what was going on inside themselves. And they did behaviors to try to control you. And until we get to the root of those power person dynamics, then the stresses up and the chips are down, 
And this is totally invisible to the mind and, and why love of truth is so important because we can't see that we're doing the same thing. And in the way the power person used us, if we don't resolve those power person dynamics, we become the user and use other people and do exactly mm-hmm. the same thing. So if the power person, you know, I don't need to know any more about your family system. Of course, we've had lots of interaction, but if you were a totally new person, to say, well, the stress is up and the chips are down, I do this, 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 and this. I don't need to know anything else about your power person except to know that, to ask the question, how did it feel when your power person did that to you? Because we do exactly, precisely to the detail the same thing that our power person did. Well, yeah, it's really powerful to know this, though, because when um, I mean, like if I didn't have this awareness and it's been just gigantic and Scott had a really big aha, too. And and, um, the, the awareness of it and then I can review my behaviors in different situations, I go, wow, this has been a replicate goal that I've had from childhood that I have shopped along, and I apply it all the time. And that, no wonder, you know, how can you ever have any happiness with me? You know, because the mind is going to constantly choose anger. <laughs> and, of course, you know, the truth is, Julie, the right. mind will never choose anger because the mind doesn't have a chooser. The mind can't right. choose. Right. The mind is strictly a decision maker. And a decision means if I say don't think about the color of your car, your mind fires brain cells and up comes the color of your car or something related to it. It's a decision maker. It's just an automatic machine, and that's why it's so important to address those issues because the automatic machine will run whether you want it to or not. It's just, you know, if I, if I put a middle C tuning fork and hit it on the desk and put it near a second middle C tuning fork, that second tuning fork doesn't have a choice. It's going to vibrate. And if those brain cells are there, they're going to vibrate, and they're going to take us out of choice and run from past decisions. And that's why... The forgiveness process is so important. It's so important to do the work because people suffer and suffer and suffer through dynamics that are nothing but replicating power person dynamics. And until, and if we see there's an event, a situation in which we say, oh, I suffer every time that happens, it's got nothing to do with that. It's denial to think that it's got to do with that. It's the fact that I have this form of suffering in me and I don't want to own it. And when this situation happens, boom, I'm suffering. Well, when I I realize, and and the whole thing is about getting conscious, when I realize that, then I can start to look back at my power person dynamic, and I will realize 100% of the time I am doing exactly what my power person did to me that I hated the most. Until I can admit that, until I can love truth enough to admit that, be with it, I can't become conscious and change the decisions held in the mind and enter into choice. And, of course, we chip away piece by piece by piece, and and another little area of choice comes in, another area, until all of a sudden we get to the point where, oh, I'm in charge of my life again. And, you know, that's where it goes. Yeah, and it's a great goal to cancel. And I remember the automatic decision-making process in the uh, Laws for a Living. Uh, Yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. It's, uh, so, so the mind has never made a choice and cannot make a choice. And the being would never choose for anger. 
Whenever there's hostility or fear going on, you know there's no choice involved. It's a replicate mind playing out what's in it one more time. I stop and ask myself the question, how did it feel when my power person did this to me? And then I go, and so why would I expect the person I'm in front of doing this to to do any different than what I did? But here's where the trick comes in. When I play my power person behavior out, you know, if my power person, let's say, was always critical, always telling me what I did wrong and I could never do it right, when I stand in front of somebody else and I'm always in that negativity telling them why they're wrong and what they did and how they should do it, my mind says, oh, I'm just being nice and correcting them. It doesn't tell me that I'm doing what my power person is, is had done, and that is I'm puking on them the same as my power person did to me. So the mind lies to us when it has us doing those behaviors, it calls it something else so we can actually think we're doing something else. And that's why it's so important to love truth enough to go, ah, here's something that I'm suffering over. I'm puking on somebody. I need to look at what my mind is lying to me about and telling me this is okay and it's good, and I need to collapse that perception and drop into the part of my mind that holds the power person dynamic, bring it forward, forgive it, and then I'm free of that form of suffering. That's all. The only reason any of us ever suffer is because we hold suffering energies, energies that cause us pain within our structure. No event can ever make us suffer, but we can sure lay it on the events and believe it's got to do with the event, and that's always a lie. So it's, you know, and, and, and just getting conscious. It's all about getting conscious, and that's that's the whole game. And that's why it's so important to listen to language, to our own language, and see how we trick ourselves and just change that game. That's very powerful feedback. I, you know, I appreciate that. And I, I was so appreciative of catching the goal because I was actually going to ask a question about, um, and, and I don't know if it's okay to ask a question now or... Please, yeah, that's what we're here for. Okay, so when we get a goal, I know I know the answer to that, but so I, I don't really want to go there. So we have a pool of intentions, and I know that we select a goal out of that pool of intentions. However, what is the pool of intentions made of? My offering would be that the pool of intentions are made up of, number one, the genetic component of every intention that anyone in my bloodline has ever engaged in. So the intention might be be to be safe. The goal might be I need to go out and and make a million dollars so that I'm safe. And so if that intention to be safe comes through the fear filter, then through fear – I'll always see something threatening in front of me because that's how the perceptual system works. And so in order to, in my mind, be safe, I'll be willing to puke on anybody to make an extra buck. I'll cut the throat of my, you know, we've heard it said, cut the throat of his own mother in order to make a buck because perception driven by a goal based in fear is going to produce some sort of threat. When we're threatened, then we're going to do some form, tend to do some form of attack. Our invitation with this work is, 
if I'm inclined to do some form of attack because my perception is coming from something threatening, I can look at the goal that's driving that behavior. I can cancel that goal and collapse that perception, the perception that drives that behavior. And once I collapse the perception that drives that behavior, I can then drop into the next level of my mind where all of that's hidden and see, oh, I can see this was being driven by an intention to be safe, but it was coming through my fear filter. I can now shift and keep Rachma active instead. That's the filter that keys into love. And I can still have an intention to be safe. But when my intention to be safe comes through Rachma, I'll see that the thing that keeps me safe is functioning as a human being and out of love. And so instead of cutting this person's throat for a buck, I'll go to them and say, you know, I notice that there's only a dollar here and we're struggling for it. And what I'd like to do is work cooperatively with you and let's make 50 cents each and go out and make another buck somewhere else. So I'll have a totally different behavior when the, the perception or the intention to be safe is activated and I think it's got to do with money. Then I'll see that my perception based in love has got to do with cooperation and support rather than getting as much money as I can. Now the whole game changes. Because the filter, and, you know, if we go back to Yeshua, and we did a show a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure whether it's labeled or not, about, uh, we did a couple of shows where we really focused on Rachma. And so Rachma is a filter over intentions that allows only intentions keyed to love to be used as raw material for our goals. Which filter the intention comes from is really key in the whole process. And, of course, we can't cover that whole topic here, but there are some shows where we really talked a lot about Rockman and its urgency in the process. In fact, it's so urgent that when we listened to Yeshua 2,000 years ago, they asked him, what's most important in the law? And that's what he pointed to. He said, you've got to have this filter of love active in your mind because what that will do is it will keep your intentions keyed to love and it will keep the door open for your human life to enter your human form and to function fully as a human being. And a human being won't in a million years choose anger. Not possible. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Well, delighted, and I, I missed that first part, which sounds like it's perfect. I'm glad I missed it because it sounds like you and Tim just did some awesome work. I'll have to go back and listen to it, but uh, fabulous, fabulous, just so cool. Tim, any other thoughts to add at this juncture? Hello, Dr. Tim. Has Tim dropped off? I thought you were asking Jeannie. Oh, no. No, I was asking you, Tim, if you had any other thoughts of the, the follow-up conversation that's happened since, uh, since you last spoke. Because you, you set the tone for it, obviously, so I, I'm going to presume you've probably got some other thoughts to add. And actually, since you did miss it, Michael, um, it was my process, and Julie and Rex and Tim were giving me feedback. Cool. Yeah, I, I came in just as you were completing your process, so I got to hear Rex's feedback. I didn't get to hear the part with uh, with Tim, but it sounds like it was just awesome. Sounds right on track. And what it's all about, Elfie. So, Jeannie, any thoughts from you or anything we can support you with in the last four minutes of the show? 
I've been adding more to my list for continued worksheets. And uh, so, yeah, looking at the uh, socially acceptable behavior and the need to feel safe and how that resonates the fear filter. And um, so, yeah, I've got more added to my worksheet list. Thank you, everybody. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, is there anybody else with a hand up? Uh, there had been a 541, but it's disappeared. So I don't know if that was Miss Julie uh, from Oregon. But we're down to about three minutes, so we could quickly take another question if somebody presses one. It puts you right back in queue. Uh, there's a 970 just went up, so you're on the air. 970, who do we have? This is Cindy in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Hey, how you doing, Cindy? Doing great. Uh, I just had a quick comment. I was actually talking to Brad about this. Um, for me, uh, I love it when you are on, Jeannie. I think uh, you bring a feminine perspective to it. And I think the difference between the male perspective and the feminine perspective is significant. And as a female, I need to hear more of what you have to say. I I know that uh, you're highly qualified in the forgiveness work, and especially when, as you put it, you're not on when you're just genie. That that could be an invaluable addition to this program. So Thank you. that's my comment. Keep talking. Thanks. I actually have, um, uh, for those who may not be familiar, I've now done four uh, women's intensives. Just completed one two weeks ago up in Pocono, Pennsylvania with 48 women. And just really powerful and one of the th- one of the things um that has been fed back to me uh there was one lady who said that she didn't think that I needed to do that that I needed to be more professional or whatever but everybody else the feedback has been you know thank you for being real cuz when I present if something comes up for me I'll stop and breathe and you know continue on but uh, a lot of times just like on the show today You know, I let uh, my issues come forward for support from those in the room. And, you know, to me, it it gives, supports me, but then it also helps those who are in the uh, retreat or the intensive to see that, you know, I'm not there yet either. I'm still a work in progress. But I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback, thank you, from women who have said, you know, thank you for being real. And so thanks. And I think we're down to about 45 seconds. So, Michael, if you want to close out the show. Okay. Well, my my thought would be to uh, you might want to look at the schedule. Um, And Jeannie has a Healing the Whole Woman eight-day intensive uh, this summer here at Heartland. You might want to get on the list for that. And who knows, she might do another intensive in Florida this year so far. I don't know. It will depend how the demand opens. But uh, in the meantime, if you're ready to do the next level of your work, we'll be doing a codependence to interdependence communication practicum in Florida starting February 1st. February 17th, we'll do a 16-day Laws of Living. So come and join us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye.